I'm going to start off this morning as we continue our series in, uh, on purity. We're going to take a look at a video here, and is, that's already ready to go on the screen. There we go. Let's watch this. Sitting in church week after week, you soak up biblical teaching and join in public worship. You believe the gospel, claim Jesus Christ as your Lord, and want to follow him in obedience. You know Jesus taught that to look with lust is to commit adultery in your heart. And the Apostle Paul warned that adulterers and the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yet you continue to struggle with pornography. You feel like a hypocrite returning to the sin you hate that mocks the God you love. You desperately want to know, is lasting freedom even possible? The answer is a resounding yes. You can overcome pornography and lust, but not without sacrifice and not alone. Holiness does not happen passively. Purity is the fruit of a lifestyle of accountability to God and to one another. In the daily battle against temptation, accountability software is a powerful tool to promote transparency and build self-control. But living in purity takes more than an app. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Now flee the lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Purity thrives at the intersection of three essential steps. Flee from sin, come to Christ, and share with others. First, you must flee from sin. Get deadly serious about sexual sin and do whatever it takes to eliminate it from your life. Second, come to Christ by seeking Him in prayer, meditating on His Word, enjoying His goodness, and living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Third, share with others honestly about your struggle. Ask at least one mature believer to hold you accountable in this area and help you along the way. Although it's deeply humbling to confess your sin and ask for help, this last step is critical. As James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Take courage by repeatedly running from sin to Christ with other believers, you can enjoy lasting freedom from pornography. Get equipped to live with purity at accountabletoyou.com. That uh, at accountabletoyou.com, we have the purity shield, which is what we looked at yesterday, uh, which is a an, an example, an illustration of the three aspects that were mentioned in that video. We're going to look at that today. That is in our book, Defending Purity in a Pornographic Age, and you can get to that uh, online right now at purityshield.com. We're going to take a look this morning uh, at one aspect of the Purity Shield. This is the overview, we went through it last week, and if you missed that one, you can go back and listen to the message. The idea is that there are two types of accountability that form the sides of the shield. We are accountable both vertically to God and horizontally to one another. And then there are three vital defenses that make up the three corners of the shield. 
and that those are flee from sin, come to Christ, and share with others. We looked at kind of how those all go together last time. This morning, we're going to take a particular look at flee from sin. Uh, and as we focus in on what it means to, to turn away from sin, keep in mind that this is part of the greater context. Uh, we, this, is, this is not something that we're going to do and thus perfect ourselves before God. He has done it. We sang just wonderful words like that, his robes for mine. This is not by, by our works are we going to somehow make ourselves perfect and pure. And yet, we are called as God's people, having been made righteous by Christ's death in our place, we are called to live with purity and to walk in obedience before him. So let's open up in a word of prayer this morning. Father, open our eyes and help us to see sin as you see it, hating even the garment stained by the flesh, as your word says. May we fear you rightly and flee from sin. Give us the courage and the strength necessary to do whatever it takes to walk in obedience to you, not in our own power, which has so often failed but by your Holy Spirit working in us. And may you receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So defense number one is flee from sin, get deadly serious about sexual sin, and do whatever it takes to avoid the trap of temptation. To begin, we're going to look at the passage that's kind of the anchor text for the series we saw in that video, which is 2 Timothy 2.22. We see these three elements of the purity shield represented here. It's a good summary. We will look next week at a little bit of how these elements are also elsewhere throughout Scripture. It says, Now flee from youthful lusts, and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. This is the word of God. And whether or not you're struggling in the area of purity and sexual temptation right now, this word is for you. It's for me. Uh, as men and women, and whether we're single or married, whether we are parents, children, we need to all be pursuing purity with others. We need to be fleeing from youthful lusts and pursuing righteousness and faith and love and peace, the good things that God calls us to pursue. And yet the, the reality is, I don't want to dwell a long time on this, but we do need to, to realize that the church is facing in our age, an epidemic of impurity, and it's mostly under the surface. And so uh, just a couple of numbers, a couple of statistics to keep uh, this in perspective. 64% of Christian men, two out of three men that claim to be born-again Christians, say that they view pornography at least once a month. And this is a, 
This is not an issue only for men. The, the same uh, surveys also show that women are struggling in the church, especially the young women. The statistic outside of the church is that one in three viewers of this content are women. Inside of the church, uh, we know from the same survey that I'm referring to here that 15%, that's almost one out of five of Christian women, have struggled in the same way, uh, at the the same degree, at least once a month, with this uh, issue. So I'm presenting that just to give us a perspective because if you have not personally struggled with this, then somebody sitting near you here has. This is something that we need to uh, address in the church. And yet, we need to take seriously the, the truth of God's word that many have been set free, and many have not ever fallen into this uh, as well. There are some that have never walked down the, the full uh, dark road here, and, and so take heed and stay away. The purity shield is for that, it's for taking heed and staying away, and it's for also giving hope. There are uh, a number of, of men here in the congregation, and myself being one of them, that have been set free uh, by God's grace and by implementing these principles uh, from his word in our lives. So just to, to give you that, that perspective. So let's take this, take a look starting here and then we'll move out from there. The apostle Paul told Timothy to flee from youthful lusts and he gave the same, the same strong counsel to the believers in Corinth. He said, flee from sexual immorality. We saw this verse last time. It just shows the seriousness of this, that we need to take it very seriously because every other sin a person commits is outside the body. And the scripture says the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. There's something categorically different about the danger here. Proverbs 5 is where I want us to turn next, and we're going to kind of take a look at this, uh, a number of verses through Proverbs 5, Proverbs 5 and 6 and 7. If you need to understand the seriousness of this, uh, it's a good place. I I spent a long time uh, rereading these for for many months, just kind of dwelling on and meditating on uh, what is said in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7. And it's worth noting that this is um, this is Solomon who knew about um, the scripture says his heart was pulled away uh, by his his temptation after many women. He was born from David and Bathsheba, and they knew he knew intimately the danger of this sin, and so he's writing it to warn his sons. I think it's also important to note that although it's written in the context of a man writing to his sons, that this uh, applies for young women or older women and every everyone as well that is uh, vulnerable to sexual temptation. So let's take a look starting in verse 1 here and consider the word of God. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, 
sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take your, the, their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline, and how my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. How many men have found this true? Ministries, families, torn up, apart, destroyed, marriages, um, testimonies because of not fleeing from sin and taking this seriously. If we go on, take a look at verse 21. Well, verse 20. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a a man's ways are before the eyes and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. He is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, failing to say no. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. And then just look with me at chapter 6, verse 32 and 33. I want us to, again, just take a snapshot of what, what these verses, these chapters are saying about Uh, This topic, he who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor and his disgrace will not be wiped away. Oh, man, that's hard to read. Uh, It's hard to read because God is so gracious to me. Uh. We cannot defeat the monster of lust by coddling any of its tentacles. This is something that we need to take seriously. The scripture says, flee from youthful lusts, flee from sexual immorality, and that can mean literally running away, as we said last time, like Potiphar grabbing Joseph's coat, and and Joseph fled away, left it there. But often it just means, like we read here, staying as far from the temptation as possible. Because sin leads to ruin and death, it'll take us further than we ever wanted to go. So how can we effectively flee from sin? I want to not just show the deadliness of it, but give us uh, some very, we're going to begin with talking about some very practical strategies. We've kind of outlined these into a, an acronym, a word that is easy to remember, so we're going to flee, and that is F-L-E-E. Uh, first, fear God, then look away, eliminate, and evade. Fear God, look away, eliminate, and evade, and we'll use this to study 
out through the, this concept today, through, through each of one of these, these ideas, these tactics and strategies. So first of all, fear God. We need to recognize the deadly consequences of evil and turn away. There's a lot that could be said about the fear of God. Um, there's probably whole sermons and sermon series could be spoken and have been on that topic. So we're going to kind of condense, but I do want to give us a good understanding of this and how the fear of the Lord is spoken of in Scripture. Because this is the biblical starting point. This is ground zero for our uh, our pursuit of purity and fleeing from sin. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So this is where we need to start, with the fear of the Lord. What is it? Well, a simple uh Definition, I suppose you could say, from Scripture, it says in Proverbs 8.13 that the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So this is a good way to kind of focus in, even though there's much that, we, that can be said of, of the sense of awe at God's presence um, and respect and reverence and all of that. But I think we, I, I want to Focus in on this area because the fear of the the word says is hatred of evil. Fearing God happens when we rightly see who he is and see who we are in light of that. It's the response that Isaiah had in, in Isaiah chapter 6 when he saw God seated on the throne and said, Woe is me, I'm undone. He, he realized his place and God gave him a cleansing just as he's done for us in Christ. But we need to see that God is exalted. He is holy. He is perfectly good. And at the same time, we are lowly. We need to put ourselves in a place of humility before the Lord. We have nothing to offer him in our flesh. Fearing God should lead us then to hate evil because we see God's holiness. And pride, the two things that are mentioned in this verse, uh, well, there's the way of evil, it's kind of in general, but pride and arrogance, and then the idea of perverted speech. Both of these are things that are root level, heart level uh, sins that bring forth all kinds of things, but in particular, sexual sin, uh, as we're looking at today. Pride is the root of all kinds of things, and the deceit that is behind uh, perverse speech, lying and deceiving and hiding, these are things that we need to be aware of and be watching out for in our own hearts as they're at the, the root level. And fearing God, rightly, having a correct view of him and of us, cuts at the roots of the pride and the deception that we tend toward on our own. A healthy fear of God should drive us closer to God and not further away from him. 
I think this can be misunderstood as we think of fear. We, we do need to fear and flee from sin and sexual morality in the sense that that should drive us away from it. But our fear of God ought to drive us closer to him and to envision this better. Um, I would like to kind of imagine a circle and we don't actually have to imagine it because I drew a circle. So <laughs> um, make it a, le- a little easier for us. So uh, the, the circle in the middle is God. And the circle represents obedience to God and to his good and wise commandments. Inside the circle are safety and peace and blessing. This is the place where we have joy and acceptance. We are near God. And outside of the circle of obedience to God is sin. This is the place of danger. It's where we find pain and shame and grief. This is what sin brings into our life and ultimately judgment. So the fear of God is a fear of getting outside of the circle of his blessing and obedience to him and thus a fear of sin, a hatred of evil. I don't want to go into that darkness. Hopefully that's a helpful picture to be able to understand how the fear of God should drive us closer to the center of that circle to stay away from, far from the disobedience that leads us away from him and the temptations that lead us away from him. Then I want to consider that God is a good father. This is especially um, as, as his children, God is not going to let us continue in sin, if we belong to him. The scripture says this in many places, but I want to particularly look at Hebrews chapter 12, and I was happy to see that we read this as our opening verse. I didn't know that that was going to be the case, Hebrews 12, 1, but let's go to Hebrews 12 together as our next passage. Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll start in, we'll start in verse 1. We're still under the concept of the fear of the Lord. So this is highly relevant to our topic today, as we, we saw Uh, As we read it in the beginning, verse 1 is flee from sin. Uh, It's putting aside the weights and the sin that clings closely to us. And verses 2 and 3 are coming to Christ, which is that the second part of the shield that we'll focus more on uh, next week. Come to Christ, it's looking to Jesus, the author and finisher, or the founder and perfecter, as my version says, of our faith. We want to, as verse 3 says, consider him that we may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself. So the the context of this passage is in putting away the weight and the sin that ensnares us, and it's in looking to Jesus. But I want to particularly focus on 
what comes next in this. In verses, look at five, verse five. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. That is good news for us. It's also something that as any child, uh, especially a younger child, would tell you, it's, it's cause for fear. If your, your father loves you, then he will discipline you. And that is what this is telling us. God, God is a good father. And verse 7 says, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which we have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Yikes. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we much more, shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? So discipline helps us to live. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us. Why? For our good that we may share in his holiness. Close synonym to purity. So we're talking about that. So for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So discipline leads to righteousness. In particular, God's discipline is in view here. Therefore, verse 12, lift up your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees. And this next verse is particularly uh, poignant to me, having put my ankle out last month. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint again, but rather healed. (laughs) It's amazing how long healing takes, but uh, it takes significantly longer if you are not careful to watch where you're walking. I I have had to be so careful and limp around with a big old boot on my foot uh, and be extremely inconvenienced lately. Thankfully, right now, I still have a lace-up brace that I have to put on every morning and um, constrains the ankle because it, it's just, it wants to twist the wrong way. I've twisted it badly and it's going to incline that way every time. It's lame. It's been put out of joint. And the Bible says that we need to carefully make straight the path before our feet so that, so that we don't get put out of joint again, especially if we've already been injured in a direction. So again, thinking of sexual sin, in this area, we need to watch carefully the path of our feet. Sometimes we need to have things that are inconvenient, um, like a big old boot or a cast to keep us uh, safe while we are healing. And strive in verse 14 for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Oh, we want to see the Lord. We want holiness 
See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. We just heard when I read those statistics about a root that is defiling many in the church. Um, And he specifically talks about that next. Verse 16, see that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, although he sought it with tears. Hmm. In light of that, take a look in chapter 13, verse 4 that says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. God will judge, not because he is evil, but because he is good. Because he's a good father, he's not going to let us continue in sin forever if we are his children What would it take? What would it take for God to get your attention? God is able to do whatever it takes. Would it take losing your job or your marriage or your family or a limb? What about your reputation? like we saw in Proverbs. The point is just this, fear the Lord and take sin seriously. So, let's look at the next one. That is, that was F, which we remember we're going through flee. So we have four, F was fear God. L is look away. And this is the second strategy. Um, The first one was very much of a mindset. This also is a mindset and attitude that we want to be choosing, but it must be put into practice to enforce a zero-tolerance policy toward any form of lust. And this is just what the Scripture tells us to do. Right before the warning that we read in Proverbs 5, we uh, Solomon also said, and back up a little bit in chapter 4, and I've got it on the screen, uh, chapter 4, verses 23 and 25, he says, Above all else, guard, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Or the issues of life, as other translations say, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. This kind of parallels with that that making straight paths for your feet that we saw in Hebrews chapter 12. Look straight ahead. And sometimes we need to implement this quite literally. Very often eyes, we just, whether it's just out at Walmart or whatever else, we just need to look straight ahead. Sometimes we need to look straight at our own feet because there's just not anything worth looking at and, and uh, there are temptations around. We, they, sometimes we need to take this very literally. Um, 
We need to cultivate a habit of turning our eyes away from things that they ought not see. We can do this, and it's not something, because our, our, our flesh inclines that way, it's not something that we can just try to do in our own power. That's the whole point of while we do that, as we flee from sin, we come to Christ. We need to be doing this in the Holy Spirit's power by meditating on the Word. We're going to focus on how to do that next week, but I want to keep that context in mind. This isn't just, try harder not to look over there, um, but to, to have a mindset of being accountable before God and to others. But when, an, when a temptation appears, we can just pray immediately. Pray to the Lord. In Psalm 119, uh, 37 is one of those that I have often prayed. Psalm 119, 37 says, Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. There's so many good things in Psalm 119, by the way. I said that last time. Um, so many good things in there now. Uh, but, but Psalm 119.37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. This is a, it's a prayer to God and we can pray that. We can pray, uh, so many other verses like this. Uh, they've got to be in there though. We've got to be putting them in for us to have them ready in the moment. But just to be clear, I think we need to uh, clarify seeing something is not the same as lusting after something. So seeing too much of something, too much skin is not wrong, right? It's not, nudity isn't wrong, but what, but looking at something and desiring it wrongly, that's when it turns into lust. The lingering gaze is what is wrong. And it's an unrestrained look that we need to watch out for. This is what Jesus said was an act of adultery. And so we see that in Matthew 25 or Matthew 5, 27 through 28. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, again, it's the intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's the thought behind, it's the intent. And we must purpose ahead of time as David did. If you uh, read Psalm 101, this is another good one. Uh, the, the first half of Psalm 101 is, is David's resolution to walk with integrity within his house and in his life. And Psalm 101.3 says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. I think David wrote this before a certain event happened in his life that changed it forever. Um, so the resolution has to be followed through. Um, but this is still the resolve that we have to make. I want to point that out, though, because David in Scripture he knew the danger and destruction that come from an unrestrained look. As he lusted after another man's wife, that led to physical adultery, that led him to try to cover up his sin and eventually to murder. 
and all kinds of deceit that just sin takes you further than you ever mean to go where you think you never would. And even though he repented and he was restored, the consequences, the discipline of the Lord against that sin were terrible in his life, the consequences in his family. And I, I want to look at this just to, to understand, again, the severity of it. Um, if this is in Second Samuel chapter 12, I'm going to turn there. Second Samuel chapter 12, we'll look at verses 7 through 14. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you into the hand or out, out of the hand of Saul. Boy, have we been seeing that lately in our, our readings. Um, I d- delivered you out of the hand of Saul and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives to your arms and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Despise the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and taken his wife to be your wife and killed him with the sword of the Amorites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house I will take your wives from before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Oh, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Right, there's God's mercy. Nevertheless, because by this deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. God is able to do whatever it takes to get our attention. He will discipline. It doesn't always look the same, but God is able to do that, and he is a good father. Sometimes the consequences are severe. So we need to be very careful. Remember, we're talking about L. L, look away. Be careful what we let in through the eye gate into the mind. We also need to be careful to take every thought captive because the Lord, he sees, he beholds our our thoughts just the same as Uh, what we look on with our eyes. So he knows what our imaginations are beholding. So we need to give uh, no place even to to sexual fantasies or things that, that ought not be in our mind. And if a lustful thought enters our mind, we don't dwell on it, but rebuke it and use scripture just like Jesus did. It is written. Every time he was confronted with a temptation from Satan, he responded, it is written. And so we'll talk a little bit more about meditating and memorizing scripture next week. That is L, look away. Now we'll take a look at the next one, which is E, eliminate. We want to do whatever it takes to remove known sources of temptation. This might require 
uh, radical amputation. And this is so fleeing from sin is not always easy. Okay, it's it's not ever easy, I don't think. Um, but it must be done. It's something that's important, lest we be turned out of the way again and injured uh, when we're trying to heal. Let's look at Matthew 5, 29 through 30. Jesus points out the severity right after he talked about lust and immorality. And look at what you look at as adultery. Well, Then he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. An eye and a hand are both very, very good things. God made them. They're useful and valuable, but neither of them is more valuable than our soul. And God, through Jesus, in the, in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, says we need to be willing to do whatever it takes. Not that hacking off my hand or pulling out my eye is going to keep me from sinning, but we need to take it that seriously. It is that, that uh, our soul is that precious, our faith is that precious, and our walk with God So if there's anything that you have in your possession that uh, you ought not have, uh, anything pornographic, materials like that, they need to be destroyed. Just as in uh, Acts 19, the magicians that burned their uh, books of magic that were worth millions of dollars, um, just get rid of it. It doesn't matter. It's not worth anything. It's evil. Um, We have to first be willing to, so E, eliminate there are a lot of practical ways that I, I would love to kind of get into. For lack of time, I'm not going to list out everything. Uh, I did write out a whole bunch here. I think anybody that's interested, we can talk more about some of those. But I'm going to give some specifics. Uh, this is something that maybe it should, it could be for ourselves, but it could be as parents in our homes. We need to make decisions about what uh, our, our children do and, and don't do and have and don't have access to. Um, but we may need to... to limit ourselves in some ways. And that could be installing, uh, so if, you're, if your phone is an issue, you might need to un- uninstall apps that are tempting you, pulling you away from sin. If it's Instagram or YouTube or whatever, it's not worth having there, cut it off. It may be that you need to actually disable the, the browser on your phone. Um, that can be done pretty easily on an iPhone or a, a Android phone. There's Screen Time or Google Family Link. Uh, either of those can make that happen. You can disable or you can set it to only allow certain websites that are okay. Um, you can disable the installing of new apps. You can do all things to lock it down, or you can just get rid of it. Get a, a, a flip phone or a landline. Uh, I did this for for years, and I still have. My, my phone, I just don't want to ever go back there. My phone is pretty locked down. I just don't want to deal with it. Um, that's been really good for me. <laughs> it's been hard. It's, you know, it's hard when you out and you want to look something up. It's inconvenient. It's like having a boot strapped around your foot, but it keeps me from being turned out of the, into the, the wrong way again. So let's, I mean, you can consider there's other ways, right? With your, your tablet or computer or whatever, uh, your TV, if it needs to be, 
uh, eliminated. There's all kinds of strategies that we could put in place with that. But uh, the truth is that inconvenience is worth it. We need to do whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes. That's what eliminate uh, means. Because the living in freedom is worth the sacrifice. So let's look then at evade, the last of the strategies here. Remember, we have F-L-E-E, flee. The last E is evade. Stay away from ungodly influences and compromising situations. Remember, we saw in Proverbs 5, 8, you need to keep your way far from her, which is talking about the adulteress. Don't go near the door of her house. Don't have it in your pocket if you can help it. And uh, so one of those things to keep in mind with this is if you can't eliminate, if you can't do the first E, uh, some things you don't have control over. It might be a computer or a device that belongs to somebody else, a TV in a public place. Uh, you can come up with strategies to evade and work around that. And sometimes what that looks like is um, accountability. We'll talk a lot more about that in uh, a couple weeks when we talk at, about share with others. But accountability, asking somebody to go with you into a situation where you know that there's a temptation or just uh, sending a, a text or giving somebody a call. Hey, I, I've, I'm going to go in and use that computer at work. Said, all right, all right, yeah, pray for me. <laughs> I'll be, I'll, I'll be good. You, sometimes you just need to check in with somebody. You need to pay attention uh, before you go into a tempting situation alone. Just don't, don't go there. In fact, you could kind of sum it up as, uh, how do we evade? Well, we can either don't go there at all, right? So we just avoid is another word. Neither go around or just um, don't go there alone. Go with somebody else. So we need to do that. We also need to identify the ungodly influences in our life and just be willing to do whatever it takes. If there's songs uh, that you're listening to, if there's stuff that you're watching, I had to just cut a lot of things out that weren't healthy in my life. Um, music I was listening to that, that just wasn't bringing me toward Christ and replace it with, with things that were setting my mind on the Lord and on the things of God. Uh, be willing to do whatever it takes to cut out the sources of temptation. So I want to take, uh, and well, let's look at a couple scriptures on that real quick, um, which is 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals, right? We know that. And then second, uh, 1 Timothy 4.16 says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So watch your life and your doctrine closely. In conclusion, we talked about last week about the vulnerabilities. Um, remember, so if, if we've got flee from sin missing, that is a big gaping vulnerability in the shield that is uh, the purity shield. And uh, we don't have the protection if we're not willing to flee from sin. But also, this is not enough on its own. You've got to be doing it in the context of coming to Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit by the Word of God and with one another in the church with accountability. So we're going to look more at uh, come to Christ next week and then following that, Lord willing, share with others in the week after that. But let's close in prayer today. 
Lord God, thank you for this time. Thank you for giving us in your word very clear truths that we we just can't get around. We understand that you are a good and holy God. We know that you have made a way through Jesus Christ for us to be made right. We praise you and thank you that we don't have to do that. And yet you call us to walk in obedience and you you say that as a father, you will give us discipline to lead us in the right way. We love you. We want to be near to you. We want to hate sin and love you more. I pray that you would do that and work in our hearts. Bless the fellowship time afterwards. And as we go to our homes this week, help us to put these things into practice and consider them. In Jesus' name, amen.